I invite you to open your Bibles to read with me now from the Old Testament book, Jeremiah, chapter 8. Jeremiah, chapter 8, and our text is the last verse of that chapter, but we will consider the chapter as a whole. But hear the word of the Lord from Jeremiah, chapter 8. It's after chapter 7, and in chapter 7, the Lord speaks of his judgments against his people for their ongoing sin and rebellion. And then we read in verse 1 of chapter 8, At that time, says the Lord, They shall bring out the bones of the kings of Judah, and the bones of its princes, and the bones of the priests, and the bones of the prophets, and the bones of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, out of their graves. They shall spread them before the sun and the moon and all the host of heaven, which they have loved and which they have served and after which they have walked, which they have sought, and which they have worshipped. They shall not be gathered nor buried. They shall be like refuse on the face of the earth. Then death shall be chosen rather than life by all the, resident, by all the residue of those who remain of this evil family, who remain in all the places where I have driven them, says the Lord of hosts. Moreover, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, Will they fall and not rise? Will one turn away and not return? Why has this people slidden back, Jerusalem, in a perpetual backsliding? They hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. I listened and heard, but they do not speak aright. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course as the horse rushes into the battle. Even the stork in the heavens knows her appointed times. And the turtle dove, the swift, and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people do not know the judgment of the Lord. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? Look, the false pen of the scribe certainly works falsehood. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom do they have? Therefore I will give their wives to others and their fields to those who will inherit them. Because, of, because from the least even to the greatest, everyone is given to covetousness. Even the prophet, or from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. For they have healed the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace when there is no peace. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Therefore they shall fall among those who fall. In the time of their punishment, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. I will surely consume them, says the Lord. No grapes shall be on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree, and the leaf shall fade, and the things I have given them shall pass away from them. Why do we sit still? Assemble yourselves and let us enter the fortified cities and let us be silent there. For the Lord our God has put us to silence and given us water of gall to drink because we have sinned against the Lord. We looked for peace, but no good came and a time of health and there was trouble. The snorting of his horses was heard from Dan, the whole land trembled at the sound of the neighing of his strong ones. 
For they have come and devoured the land and all that is in it, the city and those who dwell in it. For behold, I will send serpents among you, vipers which cannot be charmed, and they shall bite you, says the Lord. I would comfort myself in sorrow. My heart is faint in me. Listen, the voice, the cry of the daughter of my people from a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their carved images, with foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt. I am mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? So far the reading of God's holy word and our text is the last verse. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? I want to address the children, not many in church here, but online. Do you remember a time when you hurt yourself and maybe cut yourself even and you started crying and and running to your mom or dad. And as you ran to them, you pointed to the blood that's, that's on your knee or on your arm or maybe even on your head. And you ask, please help, help me. And didn't mom and dad then try to calm you down and, and then wash away that, that blood? And then maybe before putting on a bandage, they, they took some ointment, some salve put it on that cut, that wound, and then they put the band-aid on to cover it all. Of course, if it was really a bad cut, they would rush you to the hospital or, or maybe even call the ambulance. None of us likes to get a cut or a deep gash or wound. But we can be thankful, can't we, for medicines and doctors and ointments and bandages to help for the healing and covering of the hurt and hopefully for complete recovery when we get hurt. Now, why do I begin this sermon in this way? Well, because our text passage this morning, dear congregation, tells us about Old Testament Israel and all of us really of ourselves having, yes, a very deep and serious wound and hurt, not physically speaking, but spiritually speaking, with our fall into sin in Adam and then our natural sinful ways of ourselves every day again, there is a gaping injury in our lives and a horrible infection that is very deadly. If we don't get help immediately and if we don't go for God's help time and again. Isn't this what we read about in Jeremiah chapter 8? Yes, very clearly and seriously so. But in this same chapter, praise God, we have another picture of Christ before his coming in the New Testament age. Christ is pictured as the balm in Gilead and as the great physician with whom can be found for us the sin virus healing vaccine. You know today, even the children will know, there's lots of talk about COVID-19 and how it can be in some cases a very serious and deadly disease. 
Right now, there is lots of hope expressed in different medicines and vaccines that are being developed that may help bring complete cure and healing from this pandemic disease. We may pray for God's blessing on that, surely. However, it's most important for us to understand that a far worse disease is raging through this world and infecting and affecting all mankind without a single exception in a most deadly way. And that is the sin virus. The Bible declares emphatically, yes, also in Jeremiah 8, the wages of sin is death. But the very good news is, beloved, God himself has taken care to provide an escape and a remedy, or you could say a complete healing and a deliverance from the virus of sin. With him, with him all the guilt of sin and the pollution and stain of sin and the punishment of sin can all be removed. With and from the Lord, yes, we can be cured even forevermore from all the curse of sin and be again made acceptable to God. And he promises even to make his people perfectly whole once again and never able to be plagued or infected with any sin ever again. Are you interested with me in learning about this balm of Gilead and the physician who works this healing for all who come to him? Our text is Jeremiah 8, 22, where we read the prophets say, with real gladness on the one hand, but deep sadness on the other hand, at the same time. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Let's think about this verse. Under the theme, there is balm in Gilead, an Old Testament picture of Christ, the only physician with the sin virus healing vaccine. In understanding our text and the development of the sermon about it, consider the following three points. First, the background of our text picture. Second, the beauty of our text picture. And third, the burden with this text picture. With this being also preparatory week for Lord's Supper, next Sunday, God willing, we will make some specific applications in reference to that as well. Let me again read the text, the last verse of the chapter. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? For seeing this verse as giving another Old Testament picture of the promised Messiah, let's first think of the background of our text picture. We have to say it's a very dark and dismal background. Here let me ask the younger ones, what word and everyone really, what word is given in the opening verse of the chapter that could give you the shudders? Notice verse 1 mentions five times even, five times, the bones of the people, just the bare bones. And it speaks of the bare bones of people taken out of the graves even. In other words, the background to our verse 22 is about the people of Judah and Israel brought under God's judgment, even to death. In the last verses of chapter 7, part of the fearful judgment for all their sin and evil would be that the enemy would come and, and the people's bodies, when killed and slain, 
would not be buried even, but just left for the birds and the animals and nature to take care of. Something horrific also for the Jewish mind to think of. And then chapter 8 tells us even, God saying, when the enemy peoples arrive and come to your cities, well, they will dig up the bones of the people before, especially of the leaders and everyone else, and lay them on the earth, those bones, before the sun, moon, and stars, and all those planets that the people of Judah and Israel all too often were worshipping as idol gods, just like the heathens around them. Oh, the whole chapter, up to our text, the last verse, it tells not only of certain and severe judgment of God upon the people, the covenant people of God, but it expands also on their ongoing wicked rebellion against God and their obstinate refusal to repent of their sins. We see this especially in the verses 4 to 12. Just listen to verse 6b, where the prophet laments in God's name about the people. No man repented of his wickedness, saying, What have I done? Everyone turned to his own course as the horse rushes into the battle. You see, God was saying there, they were so bent on evil, nothing would stop them. While even birds of the air follow their God-given instincts with migration. These people, they were a people, says the Lord, so set on evil, regardless of God's calling and leading and pleading with them in his covenant bonds and ministering to them. We are told how over and over the people simply refused to listen. Instead, they lived on in hypocrisy and presumption and self-righteousness and self-deceit. There was no conviction and confession of sin on their part, and they falsely assured themselves all was well, even as they lived on in adulterous and idolatrous and unjust ways before God and their neighbor. There were all too many leaders too, including kings, prophets, and priests, giving the people false hopes, false promises, more out for their own honor than God's honor. Notice, in spite of all their abominations, hear what God says in verse 12b. They were not at all ashamed, nor did they know how to blush. Would you and I blush, in embarrassment at least, if caught in, in a gross sin or evil misbehavior? Or, or, or can, you, can you too sin before God and your neighbor and not really care one bit about it whatsoever? That is what was happening in Jeremiah's time. Oh, if we are honest, the description of Jeremiah 8, here in the verses before our text, is not unlike what it is, alas, also in our times, very much. Don't we see and sense it even? How increasingly it seems, not just in the world, but even in the visible church, there just is no sense of sin or shame for sin. There's hardly conviction of wrongdoing before God and our neighbor, but more just a careless and profane brazenness and defiance in the way of sin and ungodliness. Don't you wonder sometimes, how long will God put up with the wickedness on the earth and the sins also found even among the churches of the land? 
who live not by God's word at all, but according to their own lustful and worldly ways. In our text, the Lord makes known through his prophet Jeremiah now, he would very soon consume them in his righteous wrath for all their sin and evil. The warning of coming punishment, also with the Babylonians coming soon against Judah in Jeremiah's time, that's spoken of more in the verses 13 to 17. But 150 years earlier already, in 722 B.C., God had sent the Assyrians, remember, to destroy and scatter the unrepentant, ungodly ten tribes of Israel. And now, with the people of Judah, acting just as they did, and even worse, while well, God's patience toward them was coming to an end. God will not be mocked. And sooner or later, always, he will visit the wicked and unrepentant for their sins and sinfulness. In this regard, I, I have a quote in the bulletin that reads rightly, saying, The fall of Jerusalem in, AD, or in B.C. 586 stands as a lasting testimony to the folly of presumption and the wages of sin. Well, how important, dear congregation, that we all understand this truth, as solemn as it is, and that you and I take it to heart. Do you confess personally how great your sins and miseries are left to yourself? And are you sorry for all your sins and sinfulness in a way that you humbly call on God for His mercy initially and continually for a sinner like yourself and like myself as well? Isn't this also, speaking of the Lord's Supper, the honest confession of all who attend and participate in that gospel feast rightly. Then you, then you own your sins, don't you? And you blush over them instead of just excusing and minimizing them. And then you pray, don't you, for God's sake, for Jesus' sake to remember you in mercy and to forgive you your sins and sinfulness by His blood and to redeem and cleanse you and restore you in His grace and favor. Is that how we, you and I, as confessing Christians, will attend the table next Lord's Day? Are we, you and I, living in daily repentance of sin and finding our refuge alone with Christ, the Savior, once and time and time again? Isn't this what it means, really, to come to the table in remembrance of Him? In the verses 18 to the end of the chapter, we are told of, about Jeremiah's deep grief and sorrow for the stubborn unbelief and ongoing wickedness of the covenant people of Judah. Though they were hurting, even under God's judgment being visited upon them, yet it seemed they only were hardening their hearts all the more. And they continued still in sin and rebellion against the Lord and His word through His faithful prophets. They, they sooner listened to the false teachers and soothed their consciences, didn't they? As Jeremiah tells us, just with empty religious rituals and ceremonies and vainly comforting themselves that they had the temple of God in their midst and that they were the special people of God. But they refused to acknowledge and to admit their open gash and that repulsive, gaping spiritual wound full of sickening infection 
that would lead even to their deadly and eternal ruin. Jeremiah is called in the Bible the weeping prophet because, oh, how he wept concerning the people's spiritual malady and madness in sin. Later, you know, after the fall of Jerusalem, the same prophet writes the book of Lamentations where he laments his deep grief for the wayward covenant people and the severe just punishment of God that they brought upon themselves. Just listen to what Jeremiah says in our text chapter, verse 21. For the hurt, or you could translate, for the wound, the ruin of the daughter of my people, I am hurt, I am mourning, astonishment has taken hold of me. And the phrase, I am mourning, could also be translated, I go black and dress in blackness, reflecting my sad darkness of heart because of the people's ongoing sin and rebellion against the Lord and their certain dismal end left to themselves. Well, congregation, that's the dark background to our text now in verse 22. The gospel promise of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, is something that shines out all the brighter as our only hope and help when you think of this bitter, dark background. Over and over in the Old Testament, what is being taught us and revealed to us is that except God himself come to our help in and with Jesus Christ, the Savior, it's all only doom and gloom for us. And isn't this what every true Christian comes to confess and realize. Don't you who are true believers in Christ acknowledge this from your own experience? And again, thank the Lord. The good news, even in the book of Jeremiah, is that with the Lord is found for us boundless and undeserved mercy and help, even as we call upon Him. God's true people are all those who find refuge and help with the Savior God. The triune God of salvation provides in and through Jesus Christ all the deliverance and help you and I need, no matter how sin-sick and bone-chilling our case of misery of ourselves. And here we come to our second main point. Under our theme, there is balm in Gilead, an Old Testament picture of Christ, the only physician with the sin virus healing vaccine. We have thought about the background of our text picture, but let's now secondly consider the beauty of our text picture. The question of our text in verse 22, as spoken by Jeremiah, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Both these questions are rhetorical. They are asked here in the, in, in the way that what is meant is, Yes, of course there is. There surely is balm in Gilead. And there is a physician too. You see, Jeremiah is asking, in other words, with all this dark background, as just described, what is the problem? Is it that there is no remedy? No medicine? No physician to help deliver us from all our sin virus and its awful, dreadful, deadly, damning consequences? Oh, yes, there is real remedy to be found. Yes, because God himself has promised and provided the Savior we each and all so desperately need. 
to be saved from our sins and sinfulness. There is balm in Gilead and a physician there. This is what the first half of verse 25 is declaring in God's name. Now, to see the beauty of our text picture, we need to study it some more, don't we? What is meant, first of all, with this balm? Well, balm was like an ointment or medicine that could and would really help for the cure and healing of many ills and wounds that people would have. This balm was from the balsam trees, which especially was found in the region of Gilead, which was a large section of land on the eastern side of the Jordan River from the Sea of Galilee right to the Dead Sea area. Listen here to the helpful commentary from another about this region of Gilead. In the Old Testament, Gilead was the name of the mountainous region east of the Jordan River. And this region was known for having skillful physicians and an ointment made from the gum of a tree particular to that area. Many believe that this balm had miraculous powers to heal the body. In the book of Jeremiah, God tells the people of Israel that though many believe in this mysterious, famous healing power of this balm, they can't trust in those powers for spiritual healing or as a relief of their oppression. The prophet Jeremiah reminds them that, that the Lord is ultimately in control and only He can relieve their suffering and their trouble. In the New Testament, God answers the suffering of His people by sending His own Son to take the place of sinners as divinely given substitute for His people. And Jesus becomes our balm in Gilead. It is Him we are called to turn to in our times of trial for healing and comfort. In this light, there's an old song. Maybe you've heard it before, a Negro spiritual from after the slave, evil slave trade times, which goes like this. There is a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There is a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Sometimes I feel discouraged and think my work's in vain, but then the Holy Spirit revives my soul again. Looking to Jesus, yes, there's a balm in Gilead to make the wounded whole. There's a balm in Gilead to heal the sin-sick soul. Well, this song, congregation, in the light of Jeremiah 8.22, is testifying, you see, regardless our miseries and hardships and our sins, repenting and trusting in Jesus, there is a balm in Gilead. There's a great physician given us in and with the Savior. Yes, as was read before the service, by whose stripes we are healed. As prophesied about him also in Malachi 4 verse 2, the promised Messiah, Christ the Lord, is as a son of righteousness with healing, arising with healing in his wings. Now more about this balm in Gilead. Interestingly, we read way back in Genesis 37, 25, when Joseph, you know, had been thrown into the pit by his brothers. And those ruthless brothers were just sitting down for a meal. That then they lifted up their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels, bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. Later, too, in Genesis 43, 11, 
when Jacob said to his sons again to go to Egypt for food during that famine time, he said to his sons to bring a present to the leader in Egypt. And little did they know it was Joseph at this time. But among other things, that present included, we read, a little balm among the present. A little balm was given. In Jeremiah 46, 11, the balm of Gilead is referred to as known, a known medicinal herb of that day. And in Jeremiah 51, verse 8, when speaking of the utter destruction of Babylon under God's judgment, we read the phrase, take balm for her pain. Perhaps she may be healed. And God, if you check those references, God is saying, don't be trusting the balm of Gilead by itself. It's not going to help you if that's what your trust is in. You need the balm in Christ. All this, is to say, all this to say, dear congregation, the balm of Gilead was famous for its medicinal help and it was a much sought trade item over the centuries of Old Testament times. When Jeremiah here then refers to this balm in Gilead, he is not speaking of it as such, but using it clearly as an illustration or picture of the real help and real remedy with the Lord God and His promised Messiah, Savior, in all our needs. And his second question helps bring this out more, where he asks, is there not a physician there? And the meaning of this picture is the gospel proclamation. Isn't there the God of salvation, the covenant God and his promised Messiah, to redeem and to renew and to restore us? Isn't there almighty deliverance for us in our hopeless and helpless depravity and calamity left to ourselves? And the answer is a resounding, yes, there is, if we only have eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that will trust and follow Him. It's like what we read, what we read to in the second half of verse 19. Jeremiah asks, is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? With the answer being, indeed, He is. And what the whole chapter makes abundantly clear, the problem is not that God has forsaken His people, but they had forsaken Him. Yet God is the Savior of sinners still, even for all who will repent of their sins and trust and follow Him. And this picture of the promised Messiah, Christ Jesus, as the balm of Gilead is very special by itself. You can do your own research on the balm plant of Gilead. But what I found most interesting is, as one reliable authority on this plant said, namely, quote, the medicinal balm of the plant is especially the gummy sap which exudes from the stem after incisions have been made. The whole of the plant apparently possesses strong healing virtues and the gummy sap or balm Part was used also for what were deep and what looked like incurable wounds. Now, a huge, a huge mistake, of course, is made if we don't take this figuratively. And indeed, as gospel picture and prophecy of the salvation, deliverance from the deadly virus of sin found alone with Christ the Savior. As John Newton put it, how lost was my condition till Jesus made me whole. There is but one physician to heal the sin-sick soul. We know too, don't we? Jesus was crucified 
on the cross. Incisions were made on him with the nails through his hands and feet and a spear thrust into his side. All in and for the purchase of all sufficient remedy for help for sinful lost mankind. It's as the crucified and risen Savior that Jesus, as great physician, has come with remedy, with vaccine for all our sins and miseries of ourselves. Again, as another quotation in the bulletin says it well, the power to heal what is broken and to start again what is ended and to raise up what is cast down is always only found with the Lord. Congregation, do you so know Jesus and trust and follow him as the balm of Gilead picture pictures him to be also as the one physician for our deliverance from the curse and guilt and bondage and punishment of sin. Yes, also for a sinner as yourself and myself. When we rightly participate in Holy Communion next week, isn't then this our testimony of faith, yours and mine, that other refuge from sin we cannot find or have, but Jesus alone, and Jesus alone is enough. Jesus, the crucified and risen Savior, He who gave His life a ransom for many, even for as many as repent of sin and believe in Christ and obey His voice in all their ways, as given us in all of Scripture. Doesn't the gospel abundantly prove to Jesus as the great physician, indeed, with such healing powers for us, for soul and body, in life and death, for now and forevermore? In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we hear Jesus declare, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let them come, and they will find healing with me. Think of it here too. Remember again how Jeremiah 8 begins. Yes, remember I told you, with five times speaking of bones, and I ask you now, where was Jesus crucified? What's the name of that hill on which his cross was grounded? Golgotha, outside Jerusalem. Which name means what? The place of a skull. Picturing bones. It's called the place of a skull because that's what it looked like. A bare hill. But God planned it from eternity, that that's the place where Jesus be crucified. Some say, we don't have no evidence for it, but it's interesting. Some say that Adam's bones were left there, buried there. Whatever, there were bone, there were graveyards around there. We know from the other thieves, they were cast in a common grave around Golgotha. It was a place of bones. Christ came in the midst of the bones of our judgment. And he took that judgment even to the death on the cross. Oh, with just this fact alone, do you see with me how, in, how it all just pictures and proclaims Jesus as the only substitute for sinners and that he truly took upon him the punishment for sin we people deserve and he endured all that righteous wrath of God for sin as the just for the unjust 
even as he offered up to the Lord a perfect, sinless life on his people's behalf. What a, what a blessed gospel in the go- is the gospel of Jesus Christ. How rich from all his word, how it fits all together everywhere you look at it. The beauty of our text picture, do you see it with me? Do you love it? Do you trust in it? Do you testify it too is your only hope and your sure hope? Yes, also in and with the Lord's Supper celebration next week. Coming rightly, again, is all about coming in remembrance of Jesus. In the way of humble, hearty, happy reliance on Him alone. Rejoicing in Him as the balm in Gilead. The physician with the, virus for, with the vaccine for our sin virus. The only alternative congregation is that we perish in our sin. Yes, even forever. But calling on this Jesus and calling on Him time and again. He is the balm in Gilead. And he is a great physician for soul and body, for all who come to him. And you know, at the Lord's table, it's the Lord's pleasure, as crucified and risen Savior, it's the Lord's pleasure himself once again to sign and seal to us his promise as we eat the broken bread and the poured out wine in remembrance of him. We have a balm in Gilead. We have a physician who will heal us all the way through. What a consolation to participate in true faith in the gospel feast. Will you come in remembrance and celebration of this Jesus to the Holy Supper next week? God willing. How very sad and wicked and most foolish that so many in Jeremiah's day refused to trust and follow the Lord, but willfully only continued on in sin and unbelief. And again, don't we see the same today so much? Many people in the world, surely. But even, alas, in, in churches, how many are those who just are unmindful of Christ, really, and remain still so hardened against Him, never open the word about Him, even in the face of approaching judgment from God? And here we come yet to our third point, related to the last phrase in our text. Our text reads, Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? We are hearing a sermon now on this verse under the theme, there is balm in Gilead and there is a physician. It's an Old Testament picture of Christ, the only physician with the sin virus healing vaccine. And in understanding our text and the sermon theme, we have thought so far about the background of our text picture and the beauty of our text picture Now look with me at the burden of this text picture. Clearly, Jeremiah was burdened. And the next chapter goes on to tell of his constant weeping, a flood of tears. And why so? Well, because so many, even just in his day, would not trust and turn and obey the gospel call and the gospel way. And most sadly, isn't it the same today as well? Here, let me ask each one of you, here or listening online, are you yet rejecting the gospel or truly receiving it with heart and lip sincere? I plead with you all that no one of you continue hardened in sin, not even for a day or an hour. For suddenly God's inescapable just wrath and judgment could fall on you, even eternally so. And how infinitely terrifying that will be. 
The Bible teaches clearly, including Jeremiah 8. As another quote in the bulletin puts it, there are only two classes of people, the justly lost and the graciously redeemed. In which class will you be? The gospel of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, condemned in the sinner's place, declares and promises there is yet room for more to be graciously redeemed, even for all who will repent and believe even now and here today. Think in this regard of the pandemic that we are facing in our 21st century. People can have all kinds of views about it, but the fact is this COVID-19 is having devastating consequences on our society, if not in health ways, in all kinds of other ways, all kinds of other ways. Just to give an example, the brother who played here last week, piano in the afternoon, he told me, he was working here in Calgary from BC, he told me the latest COVID regulations from the government this week caused the company he was working for to send over 60 vendors home and to lay off nearly 100 people besides. And their project that they were working on has been canceled, postponed, at least for three, four weeks. But with all the hurt and the harm and the trouble and the woe with this pandemic, in whatever way, personally and as families and as companies and as churches and ruling authorities, how much, I ask you, how much crying to God for mercy is there happening? Do you hear a lot of people crying to God for mercy? We don't hear that much, do we? We read in Revelation 9, verse 20 to 21, that in spite of end-time plagues that God sends in judgment in the end of the age, still all too many, quote, did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons and idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk, and they did not repent. We read of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their theft. Beloved, shouldn't the unbelief and the ungodliness in the world and even as found in the visible churches and even as can be still found in us all too often be as a burden, knowing that apart from being saved and healed by Christ, all men will perish forever in their sins. When you and I are saved by grace, then we care for the lost, don't we? We seek and pray and work to be a light yet in this fallen world while God in wrath yet remembers mercy. Truly participating in the Lord's table, isn't it the case? It's also to encourage us, you and me, in our lives to live for God and good as His witnesses in true love to Him and to our neighbor. Then we have care and prayer, don't we? That more might come to know the gospel and come to the Savior. There's room still for more, as the text implies most wonderfully. Recovery and health from all sin and evil is yet to be found. The Lord is rich unto all that call upon Him. Oh, even in these times of restricted physical contacts with others, may something of a burden for the wicked and unbelieving, even in our own families, lines, our neighborhoods, be evident and reflected in all our lives and, and be evident also in our thoughts, words, and deeds. There is a balm in Gilead, an Old Testament picture of Christ, the only physician with the sin virus healing vaccine. 
And he paid the full price. How much the government is spending on getting vaccines and trying it from this company and that company. The only sin virus vaccine is found with Christ. And he paid the full price. And he offers it freely to whoever comes to him. God help us all be instruments spreading this good news while the Lord yet freely offers pardon and peace to all who come to him. Surely too, the Lord's Supper is intended by God to spur on his people in true faith and faithfulness, in humble service before him and our neighbor. When rightly coming to the table in true faith, that means also confessing and owning the background of our text picture, the beauty of our text picture, and the burden of our text picture. Even so, may God, our covenant God, bless the Lord's Supper to us here next week. What a text. And what a picture, full of gospel promise and gospel plea to all. Jeremiah 8.22, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there so no recovery for the health of the daughter of my people? Amen. <laughs>